So we left off last time with Peter having a vision. He's up on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner. He's staying with him. He's up on the roof and he has a vision. He's hungry because it's lunchtime. And this vision of a sheep coming down with the animals in it. And he's, well, he's hungry. Of course, you're going to have visions of food when you're hungry. And here it is. And, and it's animals that were clean and animals that were unclean. In the Jewish world, they would never eat an unclean animal because they were told, don't eat unclean animals. And, and they were specified which animals are clean, which animals are not. And they, so they knew. And it, Peter sees the sheep come down. Animals are in it, clean and unclean. And he hears, rise, kill, eat, Peter. Peter said, oh, I've never, I've never taken anything unclean. I've never eaten unclean animals. And God said, what I have called clean, don't you call unclean. Don't call common. And this happened three times. And then the vision was taken out of the way. And then Peter, while he's sitting there up on the roof, he's pondering, what does that vision mean? Uh, how is, am I going to apply that? Obviously, he recognized it was a vision. He recognized there was something important there. He just didn't know what it was. Folks, there are times where God is going to speak to you through his word, maybe through a devotional. You're reading a devotional book and, and you, you get something out of it, but you just don't know what it is. And then some guys come to the gate saying, oh, Cornelius sent us. You see, Peter had no idea what was going on at that moment, but Three men come to the gate and say, we were sent by Cornelius to come and get Peter and bring him back with us. And so he lets them in, Peter lets them in to Simon the Tanner's house. Okay, well, it's Simon the Tanner's house. Shouldn't he ask permission? Well, I believe that Simon the Tanner was a believer just like Peter was in Jesus Christ. And that's how come Peter was able to dwell at Simon the Tanner's house because a Jew, a respectable Jew, would not be in a house of a Tanner, first of all. And so here, they have gotten past those boundaries, but now there are these Gentiles that came to the gate. And Gentiles don't come into the house of a Jew, and Jews don't go into the house of Gentiles. And so here they come and say, hey, we were sent by Cornelius, and you know, we need to see Simon Peter. You're supposed to come back with us to talk to Cornelius. And what does Peter do? He says, come on in and, and stay the night. So another boundary has been knocked down. These um, men, Gentiles, were allowed to come into the house and dwell into the house of a Jew. So they were going to leave then the next day and go back to Caesarea. Remember, they were in Joppa, so they had to go 30 miles now back to Caesarea. Today's message is titled, Expect the Unexpected. Well, we pick this up in verse 24, 
where we read, And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius, now remember who Cornelius is, he's a Roman centurion who got the vision from the angels to send for Peter. And Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius is a Roman centurion, and he called together his family and close friends. Well, that means he's calling together Gentiles, because his family would have been Italian, and we have big families. So, you know, when, when you get the Italian family, they're having a feast, they're going to all get together, they're all going to slap each other with their hands as they're talking, and it's going to be a time of, of uh, probably trials and tribulations, uh, being in an Italian family. Uh, when you get us all together, sometimes it's, it's a struggle, but he gets all of his family together and his close friends he brings in uh, to the mix. And Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. So Cornelius probably heard all about Peter. Probably heard about how the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and filled the apostles and disciples that were in the upper room and they came out into the street and they started speaking in tongues and, and preaching and sharing the good news of the word and thousands of people were saved because of that. And so he probably heard all about that. He may have even heard the fact that Peter brought a girl back from the dead I'm sure he heard of the stories that people would put their sick out in the street so that if Peter happened to pass by, even his shadow may heal them as he walked. It didn't say that his shadow was healing people, but that's what they were hoping. They were hoping, oh, if we put our sick out there and his shadow happened to touch them, they would possibly be healed. And, and so... He pro they probably heard all of these stories, especially in Caesarea. It was the center of the, uh, the, the Roman colonies were centered there in Caesarea. And so here he falls down and he worships. And you know what? You worship someone that is a man and the object of your worship is misguided. It's the wrong thing. It's happening today, unfortunately. There are still people that worship men, that worship women, that we put a value on people based on their talents or their money, you know, whatever their success is. You have concerts where thousands of people go to concerts and I'm not sure if they're worshiping the people on stage or they're worshiping the Lord in, in the sense of a Christian concert, but in the sense of a worldly concert, they're worshiping the people on stage. They're there 
you know, to, for the entertainment, and they're, uh, they're esteeming the person that's in the front uh, of the stage. There are people that do that in church, unfortunately, and there are pastors that receive the worship, and that's, the, that's a wrong thing. If there's anything you good, you like about my preaching, my teaching, the church, anything like that, that's from God. Anything you don't like, that's me. Okay, just want to let you know, get that off the table. Okay, because I'm human. Just like every other human out there, there is no perfect human except for Jesus Christ. And so anytime we elevate a human to perfection status, to worship status, it's wrong. And, and so here... Peter is being elevated to that level of worship status. Uh, but Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I myself am also a man. Peter wouldn't accept the worship. He said, no, that's wrong. I am just a man just like you. Stand up. And here's the thing. He lifted him up. Jews don't touch Gentiles that would make them unclean. They would have to go through ceremonial cleaning to get clean again so that they can go and worship at the temple. But here's Peter lifting this man up and saying, don't worship me. I'm just another man like you. Peter, by many religion, different denominations, says that Peter was the first pope. Peter wouldn't be worshipped. He wouldn't accept worship. And if he was the first pope, he wasn't very popeful. <laughs> he, he didn't do a good job being the pope. You, you know, the pope has this hat that he wears that on the front of the hat it says, Vicar of Christ, meaning he's Christ's representative on earth, elevating him to the status of sub-Christ. It's wrong. That, that's absolute, there is no man that is elevated to that level. We're all at the same level in the eyes of God. When we get to heaven, you know, Billy Graham, he may have a better seat than me, but we're all in the same congregation worshiping together. There isn't going to be a, a level of status. The level of status is going to be based on what we do for Christ while we're alive here on earth. We're going to get rewarded for what we do. We're going to get these crowns and, and they're going to be adorned with different jewels and everything because of what we have done for Christ. And you know what we're going to do with them? We're going to throw them before him because we aren't worthy of any stinking crowns or any glorious crowns. We're not worthy of anything because we are merely dust. Just add water and the breath of God, and you have a human. But we're really just dirt clods 
and uh, sometimes we act like it. So there are many people who take credit for the work of God, and that's very sad, because Scripture is where the power is. This is where all of the power of God comes out through Scripture. And if I'm reading Scripture, all I'm doing is plagiarizing. I'm not coming up with, you know, stuff that's more important than what God came up with. There isn't anything more important than what God came up with. And so, when you're reading Scripture, you're reading the inspired Word of God to you. It's to you. It's personal. Take it personally. Because it's God's love letter to each one of us. And it doesn't mean more to me. I don't have, uh, you know, more value out of it because, you, you know, who gets the most value out of it? The one that applies the scripture to their life. The one that allows scripture to change their life. That's where the value comes from. And all of us have that ability. I know many people that have scripture so deep as part of their lives that it just oozes from them all the time. And it's like, oh, oh I wish I started sooner so that I could do the same thing. But I'm not going to be jealous. I'm excited for them that they have that relationship with the Lord that way. Verse 27 continues, And he talked with him, and went in, and found many who had come together. So here, Peter now goes in and sees this big crowd that Cornelius had brought together. And then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with, or go to one of another nation? So here he's just making a statement. You guys know that this is wrong for me to come in and to dwell with you. This is wrong. You are not Jewish, but here I am being coming in to you guys, you Gentiles. I'm coming in to you. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That was the vision that he had. A twofold vision. You see, we look at this and we understand the vision meant, guess what? Gentiles are not unclean if God has cleaned them. So you accept them as your brothers and sisters in Christ. But it also meant that the food was not unclean. If God called the food clean, then it's clean. And they were now able to eat what they weren't able to... Peter can have bacon for the first time. Wow. You know, and we had bacon yesterday and it was good. It was, you know, but so we don't have those kind of dietary limitations and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I may have to back off on how much bacon I have, but you know what? I can eat it all because God has called it clean. And this is the first time the Jews have actually heard this. So the food was clean and Gentiles were now clean. You weren't going to be contaminated by talking to Gentiles. 
And uh, then he said, therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? So Peter is like, I still don't know why I'm here. Still don't know why. But let me tell you what took place. I'm, I'm okay to be here. And it's not a violation of what I believe. Folks, we still live with rules that we make up ourselves that cause us to be in violation of what we believe, although it's not scriptural. We come up with legalisms from the Old Testament. Oh, well, can't do that. Can't eat shellfish. You know, why? Because in the Old Testament it said you can't eat shellfish. Who's living by the Old Testament? Those that are not sons and daughters of the living God through Jesus Christ. You see, we're under grace. We, we live under a new testament that was given to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't live. But does that mean we don't have to obey the Ten Commandments? No. We don't have to obey the Ten Commandments. We must obey the Ten Commandments in that those are the guidelines for how we should live. Putting God first. Not putting anyone before God. And treating others as we would treat ourselves. Treating our neighbors with the same love that we would treat ourselves. We, we wouldn't put ourselves at the bottom of the line. We always care for ourselves, take care of ourselves because hey, our needs come first. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to put our neighbors even before us. And doing that, loving our neighbors as ourselves, and putting God first in our lives, fulfills all the rest of the commandments. And so, I don't live by commandments. I don't say, thou shall not lie. So, I, I you know, every time I lie, oh, I, I just broke commandment. No. I just know that it's a sin. I just know... What is a sin? And there were only ten commandments. There's about a million sins. You know, we can find many different ways to sin. Uh, ten, ten doesn't even scratch the surface. It was just the fact that God gave us ten, saying, here, you try to do ten and see how good you are. Because you can't do it. It's impossible just to do ten. You know, most of them I'm good with. Number 10 is just a killer. Don't covet. Don't covet. He didn't know there were going to be commercials on TV. You know, of course I'm going to covet. There's something out there. My neighbor just got that new vehicle. I've got to have one better. And, and that's just part of being human. We, we kind of go through these things, but... Peter's saying, hey, you know what? Not the way it's supposed to be. So Cornelius said, hey, so Peter wanted to know, hey, why am I here? Cornelius said, look, here's the whole story. Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And then at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And so Peter 
is familiar with what this means. He was at the Mount of Transfiguration when he saw the transformation not only of Jesus, but of Moses and Abraham. They're on the mountain, and they're all shining, and he saw what it meant to see this, uh, th these angelic beings, but those were actually beings. Those were people that he saw at the Mount of Transfiguration. And so Cornelius is telling him, I saw an angel, basically. A man stood before me in bright clothing, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you. And so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. And Cornelius was another, breaking down another wall. Here are Gentiles that are all gathered together to hear from God. God's going to use Peter, but it's God speaking through Peter to address the Gentiles. And folks, that's here, as we gather together here, we're not here to hear Pastor Rick talk about the Bible. We're here to hear God, through his scripture, speak to us. And, the, and, and each one of us will get something different out of this message. As I studied this message over and over again this week, I got different things out of it. I'm only presenting about 20% of what I actually got out of the message. Because I felt that this is what God wanted me to share. But the stuff that I left out is still there for you guys. When you read it, you may get it. You may actually get something out of it that I didn't prepare by putting into it. And you may get that out of it. Here the Gentiles are waiting to hear something, but they're not all going to hear the same thing. They are about... Jesus. They're going to hear the truth. They're going to hear what, where their salvation comes from. But they're not all going to hear exact, and this is how we do things. It's going to be a nice little box. God is going to meet them where they are, and each one of them have different hurts, just like you guys, just like me. We all have different histories. We all have different places that have brought us to this day. We have had trials, tribulations, struggles, family events and that have changed the way we live. We've had births and deaths. We have had many different trials, that struggles that have brought us to this place. So we all hear from God a little differently. And that's great because that means God is speaking to us personally. It's a personal relationship that we have with him. And he wants to meet you where you are and speak to you personally at this level. Then Peter opened his mouth 
and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. That must have elated the Gentiles. That must have just, uh, just shocked them. There's no partiality. There, there's no one higher. See, the Jews thought they were better than everyone else in the world. Because they were God's chosen people. And so because of that, no one else could be as good as a Jew. And that's the way they lived. That was their religious system. And Peter is learning that that's not the case. But unfortunately, in our world today, there are still people that feel that way about other nationalities, other races, putting down other people because they aren't the same as them. Uh, it's sad. It's sin. It's evil. It's wrong. God has leveled the playing field for all of us. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your background, who, who your family is, how great they are, how low they are. It, it doesn't matter. Because once you enter into a relationship with Jesus, the playing field is now leveled. And Peter is recognizing that. He says, I, I recognize that God shows no per partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. So here is Peter saying, look, everyone is equal and you've already heard about what Jesus did. You've already been filled in. You already know what everything that there is to know about the work that Jesus did. They still had a problem. Even the Gentiles didn't like the Jews because of their arrogance. So there was still this problem be between the nations. But Christianity was erasing the borders. It was getting rid of the, the differences and it was welcoming everyone in. It says that from any nation, whoever uh, fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Hold on. This sounds like works-based salvation, doesn't it? Works righteousness. Well, what's the first work of righteousness? Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the only thing, work, that we do that qualifies us. Receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. After that, we are saved. It's not that it's Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus communion. It's not 
Jesus plus works. Because I can make a good show of work, but that isn't evidence for salvation. The evidence for salvation is the work that God does through me, not the work that I do for him. If I can do work for him, and that gives me access to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. There would be no reason for him to go to the cross. All I had to do was just work harder. But that's not how salvation works. A work of righteousness can only be done by God. Through us. And so all we have to do is accept his son. So that's what Jesus did. He came, he preached peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. The word, that word you know. And this is what was preached by John, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, verse 38, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things that he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. So here is Jesus. He came to the Jews. He did everything God called him to do. Remember, the Old Testament prophecies told about Jesus. The prophecies of the Old Testament that said the Messiah was going to come. He was going to do these miracles. He was going to cast out demons. He was going to raise the dead. He was going to heal the sick, heal the blind. He was going to do all that. And he did all of those things. He fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. Oh, and, and he was going to go to the cross and die. He did that too. He fulfilled those prophecies. And so in fulfilling those prophecies, he proved the prophecies were true because they were fulfilled by him. And he proved who he was by them. So every other prophecy in the Bible that has not been fulfilled is false, right? No. It just hasn't been fulfilled yet. And so... We're waiting on the fulfillment of the rest of the prophecies. And they're coming quickly. We're seeing the prophecies being fulfilled right before our very eyes. 2,000 years ago, Cornelius and his family and his friends are meeting in this house. And they're hearing prophecy for the first time that they didn't know was a prophecy. They didn't know that what they were seeing, what they were hearing, was actually the fulfillment of what God said he was going to do. They just knew, hey, we're, we worship the one true God. We love God, and we want to worship. Well, at least Cornelius and some of his friends and family do, but now it's going way beyond that. So, here, they killed him, hung him on a tree, and God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen by God, even to us who ate and drank with him, and after he arose from the dead. 
And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And so here Peter just lays out salvation in this one little area of scripture. The salvation message is completely poured out. If you want to know what to tell someone, you don't know how to preach an evangelical message that teaches about Jesus, here it is. Less than 10 sentences and it spells out salvation. It explains what an unbeliever needs to know to be saved. It's right here in these scriptures. And so whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Well, some people take that out of context. Oh, I believe Jesus was real. Hey, guess what? So do the demons. They're not going to heaven. It's not about belief intellectually and a knowledge of Jesus intellectually. Our belief changes our lives. I believe, and because I believe this is true, my life is going to change. I am going to be a different person. We are new creations in Christ because of what we believe. It changes our lives. And so, when our lives change, people notice. People say, gee, you're different. Cheryl and I have been married 25 years. And she notices a difference in me. After 25 years, I'm 25 years older. She notices that. But at the same time, she also notices how God has worked through me and in me and how that has changed me in the 25 years. I've noticed the same thing about her. Well, you know, kind of, because she had so much joy 25 years ago that I married her. <laughs> and it just has continued to grow over the 25 years. And, and I am uh, just amazed that God continues to work in us, but he does. That's for every one of us. He gives us the peace, the joy that we can't earn ourselves. We can't do this on our own. So Peter is now giving all of this information to Cornelius and this group. These people are hungry for the truth. They're gathered together there because they want to hear what God is going to say through Peter. Churches come together not to hear from a, well, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches come together not to hear from the pastor about what the pastor has to say. I can get up here and tell you all about the political stuff going on in the world and, oh, don't listen to this and don't listen to that and, and vaccines and, and COVID. And I can, I can talk about, uh, what good is that? You can get that on the news. 
You don't need to hear me talking about that. What you need to hear about is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what you need to hear. And that's what I'm here for. The Lord has never told me, get up there and tell them who to vote for. God's never told me that. Okay? And I won't tell. If you ask me who I voted for, I would say, I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to be swayed by what I do. I want you to be swayed by what the Word of God says. And we vote based on what the Word of God says. Let's hold each candidate up to what the Word of God says and see how they fall in line with what the Word of God says. If we did that, we probably wouldn't have politicians. We'd have a lot of problems solved. But unfortunately, that's not how people vote anymore. It's very sad. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Peter was still talking. He was still preaching. He had more to say. He, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes when I'm preaching, uh, I can see it in your face. Okay, we got it now. You don't have to drill that one down any further. We got it. You know, you can move on to the next topic. And, and so Peter is now at that point where he just delivered the simplest of messages. And he's like, and, and oh, whoa, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And all of a sudden, he saw what he saw back in Jerusalem. He saw the Holy Spirit enter into Gentiles. That didn't happen in Jerusalem. But here, it's happening in Caesarea. And those of the circumcision, remember, Peter had taken some of his friends, Christians, believers that were saved, they were Jews, and they were part of the Christian church now. They didn't really call it a Christian church, but they were Christ followers. And they came along with Peter they were kind of there to validate anything that took place. And, and so if Peter went back and told them what happened and nobody else was there to validate it, it would be like, really, Peter, come on. But here they saw. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They saw the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. They were magnifying God. They were giving. See, when, when you hear speaking in tongues, quite often people take speaking in tongues and it is a, a, a prophecy from God, a new prophecy, something different, something that, you know, is special and, and it's going to, you know what? I don't think you need to hear tongues to hear prophecy. If God wants to speak in prophecy, he has the scripture right here. You can speak it directly from the word of God. It covers everything we need to know. And then we have it in English, so we don't have to rely on someone else to tell us prophecy. Sometimes there's, pro there's tongues without interpretation. And then you don't 
really know, well, what happened there? You know, how come the, the tongue was only two seconds long and the prophecy was 10 minutes? You know, it, it just doesn't fit. So here, and I, I, I believe in tongues. I'm not discounting tongues. But every time I hear about tongues, it's always tied to worship of God. It's always tied to the, the glory of God, worshiping what God has done. It's always referring back to the works of God, what God is doing, and it glorifies Him. And a lot of times when I hear people speak in tongues, it's all about them, or someone else, or some church, or some other person, uh, you know, and... and when I read the Bible, it's, it's about God. It's about glorifying God. So I'll stick with that. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord that they asked, and then they asked him to stay for a few days. And this is just another outpouring of the Spirit, another work of God in the lives of Gentiles. It's a change in the church. Now, we've had 2,000 years to change the church. But the church doesn't need changing anymore. You see, we already have the full word of God. The word has gone from the Jews to the Gentiles and now throughout the world. It went through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. We're at the ends of the earth. And so, because the word has gone out here, we're just continuing the work that took place in the book of Acts. We as the church... The church isn't a building. It's not a name. It's not an organization. The church are the people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the church. And there's all different kinds of people. We're not all eyeballs. We're not all ears. We're not all noses. We're not... We are the church. That's how Paul describes it. We're all... We're the church and we're different uh, from each other. Jesus explains about the Gentiles and he, he said they were going to be included in his family. In John chapter 10 verse 16 it says, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Uh, there are, are other religions that actually use that and say, yeah, we're, that, we're who Jesus was talking about. We are that organization who Jesus was talking about. No, you're not. It, it was the Gentiles that Jesus was talking about. They were the Jews and everyone else. And he said that they're not of this fold, not of the Jewish fold. They're the other fold, the Gentiles. And they're going to hear his voice and they're going to follow him. One shepherd and everyone follows him. Guys, the church did not replace Israel. The church did not replace the Jews. There are many people that teach that. That 
The Jews got it wrong, so they've been put aside, and now the church is the replacement. It's called replacement theology, and it's wrong. That's not what the Bible says, because the Jews are coming back. The Jews are going to be given a chance again, and they will repent. And they will come into a relationship with him. And so, uh, you know, we are not the exclusive people now. He said, you know, what, if, if you cut off the olive trees from the branch, and then you're going to graft in some of the wild olive branches into the tree, they can grow. But if, what, what if you guys start messing up? You know, do you think I can't cut you off and bring back the original olive, brand, olive branches and graft them back in? I could do that. You see, we are invited to be children of the living God. We're children of the living God because we've been invited to do that and we've accepted the invitation. But the Jews are also invited to be children of the living God. They're also included in humans, humanity. They're, they're, they're part of God's children if they receive Jesus Christ. In John 12, 32, Jesus said, And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people unto myself. And he was lifted up from the earth, hung on a cross, and he's drawing all people. And all people includes all people. So we're, we're part of that, so are the Jews. These scriptures remind us that God is not partial. It, he doesn't have a favorite. All of our pictures are on his refrigerator. <laughs> all of us. And, and he doesn't have a favorite. But even though Cornelius was a good person, he prayed, he fasted, he gave alms. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And that's what he was missing. And now he's missing it no more. Now he was invited in and now he has the relationship that he needed to get into heaven. As Christians, we should expect the unexpected. Jesus said that we should be prepared for his coming. And unfortunately, many people are mocking the fact that he's coming back. And, and we're told that that's what they're going to do. In the last days, they're going to say, well, when is he going to come back? You've been saying that for thousands of years. When is that going to happen? You're just making that stuff up. But Jesus said, oh no. I'm coming in an hour that you don't know. It's going to happen quickly. There are people think that it's going to be mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. It's all going to... If it happens during the tribulation, I'm going to feel like a beat-up child. I'm going to have the wrath of God poured out on me. And, you know, then I'm going to be invited to spend eternity with him after he beats me up. Maybe my earthly father would do that, but not God. Not our loving God. He is going to remove us before the wrath is poured out. So, the promises that he has promised to us, he is going to fulfill. 
And it's going to be soon and very soon, I believe. Amen. Amen.